Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We're live. One, two, Welcome in. This is West by Pod, podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12, and the last straw. I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy on Twitter. I'm joined as always by Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. Um, Jordan, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't even know what to think. You know, at this point, we coming off maybe the biggest win in the Neil Brown era, and we followed up by, you know, possibly the, the biggest loss, the worst loss in the Neil Brown era. Um, how is morale hanging on your end, uh, coming off? Oh, morale, morale's, uh, down, down atrociously right now. Um, you know, there are, there are losses where you sleep on them for a night and you come back the next day and you're like, eh, you know, okay, that, that was bad. I'm not happy we lost, but like, I get it. This was not that I woke up this morning, um, and felt even worse about it than I did yesterday. You know, there's, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say about it other than that, unless we want to just dive into all of the things that went wrong and what the outcomes are going to be. Well, well how long you ha- how long do you have? That's yeah. really the question. Yeah, my um, schedule's clear. So yeah, so on the pod we're going to be you know covering a Texas Tech review. I'm sure you don't want to hear about it, but we'll uh, I think we'll just hit on it quickly because there's really not many bright spots to talk about. I think we're going to talk about just you know the state West Virginia football, Neil Brown, um, everything surrounding that. We'll do our normal Big Twelve recap precap um and you know the the wheel keeps turning the world keeps spinning we have another game next week against tcu um a tops i think they're number seven now in the ap so we'll break down a little bit what to expect from tcu um that's a great transition because you know we break down what these teams are going to do we tell you if you listen to west by pod last week we told you how texas tech was going to play we told you what to expect on their offense they're going to go for it on fourth downs they're going to you know snap the ball quickly um, short passes, they're not going to burn us deep too often. Like, I, I don't know, Neil must have missed the episode last week, or the defensive, you know, staff must have missed the, you know, the episode because I think just the, the overarching thing to take away is just like, I don't understand how we were so unprepared and so caught off guard by Texas Tech, a team that I don't think is more talented than us. But I mean, there's so many examples of just, it looked like we didn't know. Did we watch film? Did we scout? Did we have a game plan? Because yeah. you could have fooled me. Yeah, no, I mean, it looked like we were just kind of hoping for the best, right? We were just throwing 11 guys out there. Um, 
you know, I mean, there's like very, there's various levels to our suck too, right? Where you watch us pre-snap and we have guys who clearly do not know what they're supposed to be doing as the ball is being snapped, right? We're looking around, we're trying to gesticulate to each other. And so it's like, the question is, in a situation like that, especially when you're facing tempo, you just fall back into your base defense, right? But I don't even know what our what our base defense is supposed to be. Like, I don't even know, like, if this defense has to get one stop, one down, fourth down for our life, what are we doing? You know, like, what is the identity? I don't even know. The identity is um, they're going to go trips left, and we're going to put two guys over there. It's fourth and two, and they're just going to run a screen, and the two guys are going to block the two guys, and they're going to walk and pick up 15. Because it's like the amount of times that we were just misaligned, um, not ready for the snap to come off. We were subbing when they didn't sub. We knew this was going to be a problem. Yep. Um, just, yeah, like you said, like why why are we just not like, okay, cover two, man-to-man, like jam them up. It's They need to pick up three yards on the third or fourth down. Um, and it's just unfathomable how many times they, they burnt us on stupid things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know what we expected to happen, uh, trying to, I don't even want to say attack them the way they did because we did, we did zero attacking last week on the pod. We talked about offense like this, the ball is going to come out fast. You need to try and disrupt the timing any way you can, whether that's getting pressure on the quarterback, getting hands on the receiver at the line of scrimmage, something, you know, we didn't do any of that. We did it one time on a fourth down in the first half and, and lo and behold, we got a sack. We got it. That was our only stop on fourth down, I think, of the entire first half. Um, and I understand you can't go cover zero and blitz everybody every time. You know, bad things will happen then. But, like, some level of pressure would have been, you know, outstanding. But, man, I mean, it's just enough. We could have an entire podcast about the pre-snap stuff, man. I'm just looking at us lining up, and I can tell you what Texas Tech's about to do just based on where our guys are. You know, they have a four-stack diamond out to the left side of the field. Like you said, we put two defenders out there the hell do you think is going to happen? They're going to throw a screen. Like, you know, um, there was a fourth and two. We had a guy lined up nine yards off the ball. They threw a screen and Mm -hmm. and got the two, got, you know, five, six, seven yards. Um, I'm looking at that. And then we have, it almost looks like we're playing two cornerbacks. We have one cornerback, like three yards off the line. And then another cornerback directly behind that guy, like 10 yards off the line on both sides of the field. Then we have a safety. And so I'm looking at it. We have five guys in the box and it's like, this offensive line sucks. And they're just gashing us because yeah. they have a guy, they have they have a hat for every hat that we have in there, you know. So like you can just look at us pre-snap, and it's like, boy, it, it looks like Texas Tech has a lot more guys in that spot than we do. Lo and behold, that's where they put the ball, and just you know, I mean, we didn't even make it hard on them. It wasn't even challenging. Yeah, and it, it, it's silly. It's I mean, football is very complex sometimes, but it's also very simple, and sometimes it's just a numbers game. The amount of times they gashed us on the screen. Gash us on like a you know a tunnel screen, a quick slant when we were literally just outnumbered and we knew it was a short yardage to go. And yep. then, you know, you drop a bunch. There there was one play, there was literally four people in the box. And they had, you know, a tight end on the line plus your five offensive linemen. That's six to block four guys. Running back picks up eight yards before like there's even even the notion of like, you know, contact. Um yeah, I I just I don't understand what the defense was. And and all of that. You get into halftime and only 17 points allowed. Like, would have signed up for it, yeah. It like, could have been 31. It could have been 35. It could yeah. have been so much worse. Yeah. Um, and, yep. and you still have such a fighting chance. Um, and, you know, the offense just doesn't help you out at all. You get three points going into the locker room. Uh, and JT played probably his worst game as a Mountaineer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not on him. It, it's solely on him because, like, there was literally not a single person that really stepped up and, and performed, um, you know, as – like Neil said it in the presser, but just like there was, there was nothing to highlight. There's nothing good to talk about, and um, 
I, I don't know. So, I mean, you know, then also to the coaches. So the players, you know, there wasn't really any big standouts. And then, you know, there was some decision-making that just doesn't make sense. And this is just such a theme. And it's like the end of the half, you know, we we call this timeout. We're going to try to get the ball back. They punt. You know, we made probably not a smart decision to catch the ball inside like the 15 or the 10. Okay, well, we called this timeout. We're going to try to go for it. We're going to try to score some points. First down, let's do a run outside zone for four yards maybe stay in bounds, burn 30 seconds off the clock. Then we start throwing it downfield. Then, you know, we get into this situation where we're, you know, inside the 30, maybe the 25. and But there's only like 18 seconds left, and we have to force a long ball. It gets picked. We get no points. Um, things like that. It's just like, what? I think the ov- overarching theme is it's like, what is the game plan? Yeah. Like, it feels like we can't decide things in-game decisions. It feels like there was no game plan coming into the game, you know, before this thing started, like, we knew what they were going to run. They didn't run anything too crazy that we haven't seen, and we they just looked, looked like it was shocking us. Yeah, they they looked. Texas Tech looked exactly like they've looked the other three times I've watched them this year across two quarterbacks. Right? It's just that it, they are who they are. Um, and yeah, we we just it was like we had never seen it before, man. You know, um, that 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 pass at the end of the half. Thoughts on thoughts on throwing the contested jump ball to Reese Smith, who's you know five ten instead of. Uh, Prather or Bryce Ford Wheaton, who are both 6'3", thought that was a little bit questionable as well, especially the way that the guy went up and just bodied him and took the ball away from him. So, yeah, I no, I mean, no positives. Neil said it. I, mean, I was just laughing at some of the stuff he was saying in the postgame. It was like, yeah, no shit, there were no positive on it. We scored 10 points. Um, but then he starts into the, well, you know, it wasn't really big plays, and it's like, yeah, we know we that. that we knew that. That <laughs> Of course it wasn't big plays. They had 230 yards after the catch because they would throw the ball to the sideline on a screen and we don't have anybody within 10 yards of the ball. So it's like... It's almost like Neil Brown's offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe Neil Brown's offense... Here's maybe a a theory I'm just going with. Neil Brown runs all these tunnel screens in practice and our defense is so misaligned that they just gash our defense. And then when we run them in person in a real game, they don't work. We ran so many bubble tunnel screens... You know, it was so predictable kind of by the second half. Um, the defense just, you know, is it, just, yeah, I just feel like we were unprepared. And then, you know, I don't know. We talked about with Baylor game last week that it really felt like the team had not given up on Neil. Like they were playing hard. I would almost say this was the exact opposite. I mean, early second half, just lazy, low effort plays all around, I would say. Yeah, you get in the second half, 17, sorry, you get in the halftime, 17 to three, and it's, you know, like you said, it could have been so much worse. Could have been, could have been better. You know, we had chances to take the ball away. The defense, you know, was making enough plays where I think we, had, you know, we had a drive to make it seventeen to ten. Um, you know, even before the one at the end of the first half where it got picked, you know, we had two shots to make it seventeen to ten. Just couldn't get anything going. And yeah, man, it's that it's the most frustrating thing, right? Because the stakes coming in, we knew what they were. Is Okay, we have a huge win against Baylor. We have a ton of momentum. People are like tentatively back in on the climb. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to build on that momentum? Go beat a team that we haven't, you know, we we haven't beaten since Neil Brown's been here. Um, go win a game in a place where we really, you know, we've never had much success. Um, or are we going to just take a step back? Is it going to be the same old smoke and mirrors bullshit where, okay, we look really good one week and then we come out and fall flat on our face the next? Turns out it's just the same old bullshit. And it's just... I mean, this is the second time this year in seven games that we have just completely no-showed, you know, against in Texas, Texas, you can somewhat defensible, right? Texas is loaded. 
you see that every week, even when they lose. I mean, those guys have so much talent, you know, in, I'm not saying it's okay to be overwhelmed by that, but it's at least understandable. Texas Tech didn't just didn't do any. I don't feel like they did anything, and we just we just let them go down the field and score touchdowns, and you know, seventeen to three, and I don't know. Yeah, it was it was really hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. Yeah, it was very. I mean, it's a it was an embarrassing day to you know be supporting this team. It was hard to watch. There was no positives. You know, it's just like I said. I feel like we kind of got lazy. There were so many plays that were extended in the second half, like lazy tackling, not pushing the guy out of bounds, um, you know, interceptions where the receiver, you know, kind of gets big boyed, like yeah. dropped passes. You know, obviously we had some offensive line injuries, but like just everything all around, we're fumbling the ball. We're, you know, we're doing everything wrong. You know, what all these like staples of the the Neil Brown thing, we have the, in the first half, we have the, um, the procedural penalty on a fourth yeah. and one, fourth and two ends up turning it into a field goal. You know, that's like the staple. If you could like sum up the play, if you could sum up the Neil Brown era in a play or a sequence, it's the timeout to a fourth down, then you have a false start and then you have to, you have to surrender kick it. Like that is, that is the summation. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's much you want to add more to this Texas Tech game. I mean, I think maybe just shift the conversation to Neil and yeah, know, I think state we need of to, everything. I think we need to get yeah, get into that, get into the larger picture, the fallout, and yeah, what what the next uh, <clears throat> what the next uh, steps are here. So yeah, do you want to want to kick it off? You have you have some thoughts ready or? Yeah, I mean, I think you know one thing that I think you and I both probably have been more. Um, patient with Neil than, than maybe the average fan or than a yeah. lot of, you know, the vocal fans on social media. Um, and it's such a confusing thing because I feel like it's been a roller coaster this year of like, okay, we lo- lose to Kansas and it's like, this thing's over. But then you realize Kansas was fine. It was a good team. Good. You know, whatever it happens, you get some momentum back. You, you know, you thrash BT turns out they're not good, but you thrash them. You come and play one of the worst or like flattest games in the Neil Brown era was the Texas game. You come out and just, absolutely lay down like um no chance follow that up by like maybe the best win in his time at baylor and then you follow that up by once again maybe the worst loss so you're kind of like have this sandwich of like two really bad performances and a really great performance so it's like what is what is the read on the you know the situation but i think one thing that i just i can't get over is just how unprepared we look and how you and i who are not paid to to know things about football um seem to understand what the other team is going to do better than our defense or, um, you know, just seem like, I, I just feel like we're unprepared and we, we just continually make the same mistakes where, yeah, eventually there's like this climb idea of like, things are going to get better. We're getting the players, we're getting whatever, but like we're three and a half years over three and a half years into this now. And it's just like, there's very little data points to be like, well, this was the time that we did it and put it all together. And that thing, bad thing didn't happen. So I mean, even in Baylor, you know, we we kind of talked about, I don't want to say lucky, but like we got the breaks. We had all the same issues. We had special teams issues. We had procedural penalties in big situations. Our defense looked unprepared for what we knew they were going to do. Um, and these things are just kind of getting like, you can't let this, let this go on forever. We've seen what other teams, I'm not saying West Virginia was Nebraska, but we've seen what other schools like Nebraska, you know, you go into this like, cycle and, and and you start hiring coaches like this thing can go down the tubes quickly you can't let yeah. this thing you know fall off and the brand and all this kind of stuff so um i guess that's kind of yeah I, man it i think i think yesterday might have just about done i mean you, you know 
obviously we have we have what five games left here so still time to turn it around but yesterday is like the first time where i was really like man i don't know if they can right yeah. and it's so it's so weird um because in so many ways neil and the staff they're like everything that i would want from our staff you know like neil's a great guy um i like that he's the face of our university uh i think that objectively the program is better than it was when he got here, right? Like the infrastructure around the program's better. The facilities are better. The recruiting's better. The social media, you know, I feel like that's he's what's put, tough. <laughs> and he's put all this infrastructure in place. You know, we keep saying he's an A plus off the field and I really do feel like it is. Um, but it's just, man, you can't, you can't be a C plus for four, you know, or a C for four years on the field. Like, and it just feels so weird because he does so many things right but he just can't string any wins together, you know? And I mean, you can't be, you cannot get your pants pulled, pulled down like we did yesterday in year four, right? Yeah. In year I, four. You know, there's, can't the, do that. there's the article on smoking musket, you know, the, the kind of like it's time. I thought, um, he, I thought Andy did a really good job with that piece, by the way. Yeah. Great, great article by Andy. If you haven't seen it on smoking musket.com. Um, I think it, something in the title is about it's time to pull the bandaid off. Um, and, you know, one thing, you know, he puts all the losses in the Neil Brown era. And when you look at, I mean, it might have been the very first loss of the Neil Brown era was Missouri. Yep. Um, and if you remember that game, like, I don't feel like that game was much different than the game we watched yesterday. Um, and that was a game that was like, we barely beat maybe James Madison. Like we beat a FCS school, like very close. And then that was our first like power five game. We get pantsed. And then, you know, I feel like that was the same team as it was yesterday, even though we had way more talent on the team yesterday. Like that's that roster is so different, but the performance and the result and like just, you know, the vibe, it was the same. We just like are getting absolutely outclassed um, by a team that, or, you know, a program that I don't feel like is leaps and bounds ahead of where we are, or where we should be. I feel like, uh, and this is complete speculation, but it's one of the things I've kind of thought about Neil. Um, and kind of leans into the the whole the why did he play Deggy for two years kind of thing when Deggy clearly clearly sucked, but like Neil very much values the the planning and the preparation aspect of that. I think that's it's not a stretch to say that because he always he always talks about it. Um, but like that, I, I feel like that doesn't appreciate that. I don't know what percent of football, like a, a significant portion of a football game happens off script, right? Like it's great mm-hmm. you have your plan, it's great, but like. What the what, what are you going to do when the bullets start flying? And I feel like there have been so many. The, I mean, we said, Andy, in the article, eight 21-plus point losses that this team has in four years. Um, you know, a handful of other times where we, we didn't – that's the threshold. We, we put a three-touchdown threshold. handful of other times where we didn't quite lose by 21, but, like, we were down big yeah. right away. Like Texas this year. Texas this year. Texas Tech last year. We come out and go down 20 to nothing to a, to a backup – you know, to a back a team with a backup quarterback, um, where it's just like it seems like they really struggle. If in 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 you know the fact that this happens with Texas Tech is even crazier. It just feels like they struggle if things don't go according to what whatever plan they have in their head. Um, in Texas Tech, I'm not sure why that was a problem because again, like we said, they didn't do anything that they haven't done um, so far this year. But man, I don't. I don't know. And I feel like, so, so I feel like 
we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about what other teams do well, as opposed to thinking and talking about like what our team does well. I kind of get that vibe. We're like, well, they're, you know, they run the ball really well or, oh, they're cool. Now they got a lot of good players over there now. And it's like, no shit. We got a lot of good players too. Why don't you start gassing our guys up a little bit? You know, Um, why don't we start finding what our guys are good at and leaning into that shit? It's just, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm as big of a Neil defender as there is. Cause like I said, he's, he had, Aside from the in-game stuff, everything that I want in a coach, but man, it's days like yesterday. It's really hard to defend him. I don't know how you defend him. So I feel I feel very similar. Of I want this guy to succeed so much because I feel like he just checks every other box. But like, unfortunately, myself and most people do not want a six-win coach mm-hmm. who is like really good at all the other stuff. Um, okay, so so let's do this exercise. So we always do our recap, precap, or whatever of these teams. We talk about like you said, what they do good. Give me give me a, a really short synopsis. What is the identity of the West Virginia football team this year? What does the offense do well? What does the defense do well? What are they trying to get into? What are the sets they're trying to do? What you know? What are their advantages they're trying to take? Because um, I can tell you what Texas Tech likes to do, and I can tell you what they do well. And they know what they do well, and they're not hiding it. They're going to come and shove it down your throat, and they're going to snap the ball every 22 seconds, and they're going to keep the thing moving. Um, what, what would you say West Virginia offense does? Like, what would you would just expand? A Neil Brown team. Neil Brown's an offensive coach in four, three and a half years. Um, you know, what, what is Neil Brown trying to get our sets into? What, what is like, other than like maybe grind the game out, shorten the game? Yeah. Is that, I, I mean, is that I, all we know? I feel like I that's have, maybe all I know. Yeah, I have no idea. I know that uh, we would like to run the ball if we can. But aside from that, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, run the ball, take shots, I guess, is about as generic and vanilla and, you know, our offense looks pretty generic and vanilla. So, um, man, I feel bad. We're hating on the offense. They've they've actually been pretty good this year. But um, defensively, I could not tell you what we're trying to do. Literally, when I said earlier, hold on for dear life, that literally looks like what we're trying to do. And at some point, you have to you have to snap that trend and, and start going on the offensive. Like, you know, you can't just. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're trying to do defensively. I have no idea what we're trying to do. We're, you know, theoretically we have, we have some strengths up front. Um, secondary is obviously the weakness. And so it seems like in that, in that case, like what's the best way to help out our secondary? Is it to say, okay, we're going to put more of you on the field and ask you guys to cover for longer. Or is the best way to help out a secondary that can't cover say, okay, we're going to give the quarterback a second and a half to throw the ball. Yeah. And you know, if he can find somebody who's open downfield, you know, more power to him. So I, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. The, yesterday is about as disappointed in a defensive game plan as I can remember being where it was just, there was, there was, there was no resistance. There was no preparation, man. We're, we're 10 yards off the ball against a team that runs screens 20% of the, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. and like you said, we, I spend like a few hours a week looking this stuff up and like watching, you know, I watch the games and I watch highlights and condensed games and you know, look at some stats and it's not like I'm in there watching, you know, uh, TCU's last, last seven games or Texas Tech's last seven games from the all 22 footage, you know? So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, uh, I said it, but it's just like, (laughs) I want this to work out. I wish it would work out if Neil rattles off the last five, like maybe things change, but, um, I'm, you know, and I will admit I'm not the expert. I'm not overly interested in all of the, um, you know, because like 
I'm, I'm talking about like the coaching, like who's the next coach and stuff. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not yeah. the guy to ask that question. Um, you know, obviously the buyout, we had Jake talk about it on here, but it's not really structured to where there's like a date that it really matters that much. It's just kind of a rolling thing of how his salary is paid out. So um, I don't know. I don't know what the best route going forward is. If you say it's time, like does Graham Harrell step into head coach? He's been here like seven games now, the you know, interim head coach. Um, you know, who would step in interim if he gets fired mid season. And then, you know, as we approach the end of the season, you know, then it's just fair game. I think it's the coaching carousel. And um, I don't know who we would go out. I don't know if, you know, cause unfortunately Neil was a slam dunk hire at the time. Yeah. And if there was a Neil Brown right now, we would probably hire that guy. That's the guy we would want. It's um, a scary thing. And this stuff just, it's just, you know, I think it's just tough to hire people. It's tough to evaluate. You don't know. Anytime you're bringing a G5 guy up who had success, you're giving him the keys to the biggest program he's ever seen um, and challenges he's never faced. I mean, that's just that's what hiring somebody is. You're saying, I think I believe in you, but you don't know. Neil checked all the boxes before and he he checks like most of the boxes or all the boxes of someone we'd be looking for again. Um, So it's just tough. I mean, it it stinks. But, you know, this is the position we're in. And um. Yeah, it's just been it's been mediocre to average for three and a half years. Um, and, and that's I don't think what people like to think about West Virginia football. And I don't want it to, to sink into that being like the, the norm. No, no, I think I just want there to be some sort of an identity, man. I think, you know, if, if it is the time, um, I would still prefer to win to win our next five games um, and, you know, finish eight and four. That'd be great. Uh, but if it is the time, I, I just want somebody to come in who has a sense of who they are and what they do. You know, Neil Brown's thing is, oh, he runs a good good program and he wins in the margins. And it's like, well, guess what? If you stop winning in the margins and that's your identity, then you're kind of shit out of luck, right? I mean, you look, when we were Dana, we knew exactly what we were, you know, it's like some of that margin stuff's going to happen, but we know we're going to be offensively. Um, and so that's something. And then you go back to Bill Stewart. What was the complaint about the Stewart thing is that we had not, we had no identity. It's just like, what, what is this team trying to be offensively? We have no clue. Go back further and Rich Rod, Rich Rod had the power spread. Right. And yep. so I just want whoever comes in here next, um, you know, if, if it's that time, I just want some sort of an identity. Uh, yep. And so. I would, I would say the only other thing I would, I would piggyback onto that is I don't think Neil Brown's not a confident guy, but I think the, the confidence to be creative and the confidence, like like what we saw with Kansas this year, like came out running these crazy triple options. They were not afraid to like take this this scheme and, and run with it. Texas Tech yesterday, like they had, you know, they had their, their identity of what they want to do primarily. But one play I would really point to, it was like a third and 10 or something. And maybe this was something you hadn't seen before, but this is like an interesting wrinkle that we would never, ever do. They run a speed option outright. They stack everything left and run a speed yeah. option right. Catches us completely off guard. Yep. And it's just that like confidence to be different, that confidence to try things. And like, not that a speed option is a risky play, but it's just like, you see that we would never do that. No, we would never do that. Way too, I'd say maybe that's the identity is that we're, we're just conservative. We're playing not to lose. Um, yeah. Anyways, yeah, no, completely agree. I don't, I don't think we need to, we've done 25 minutes on the coach, so. Yeah. Um, any, any actually, well, any last, any last comments on the coaching stuff? My only comment is I'm, I'm rooting for the Mountaineers every week. Uh, I don't like when people are like, I hope we lose this week so we can can them and move on. I yeah, agree with that. I, I hope we go eight and four. This is not fortunate situation. Everyone agrees. 
but like get over yourself. I'm rooting for my team. I yep. hope we went out. I hope we kicked TCU's ass. So that's, that's just how it is for me. hundred percent. I'll be there. Can't wait. Um, all right. Big 12 recap. Uh, so Kansas Baylor early slate kind of went about how I expected. Um, Kansas showed a ton of fight. I think it got to 28-3, and then Kansas battled all the way back. So, you know, love to see those guys fighting back, have a ton of fight. But clearly, I think, you know, just without Jalen Daniels, they're going to, it's going to be an uphill climb for them, uh, I think, from here on out. Yeah, agreed. I mean, obviously, they lost their their spark, but I think the difference is Kansas is competitive. Like you said, they fought all the way back and made it a field goal game. Kansas of the last 10 years did not do that. And that's the difference to me is that there's still marked progress there, even though they are. Uh, yep. Still Kansas. Yep. All right. Texas, Oklahoma State. Those are the 330 slots. So um, unfortunately or fortunately, if you were looking for a distraction from our game, um, I didn't see a whole lot of this. Went back and looked at it. Um, seems like Texas might have might have had it won, but then figured out a way not to win it. I don't know. I saw there was a huge penalty disparity, too. Did you, um, did you uh, catch any more of this game? A little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just the, the mark would be that Texas was undisciplined and Gundy's team was not. Um, yep. You know, I think that Gundy's got that team in, in good shape. And they, it's a typical Gundy team where they kind of just keep getting better and better and they don't shoot themselves in the foot. Um, yeah, the big thing with Sark is like, I forget the, the stat, but the number of games he's lost in Texas uh, while leading in the third or fourth quarter is absurd. I think it's like All nine. they do is blow leads. Yeah, and, like nine, uh, yeah. It's crazy. Yep. All right. Then we had Kansas State and uh, TCU. Really good game. Watched a lot of this one. I'm trying to take my mind off of our disaster. Um, and had a good time with it, man. I thought Kansas State looked really good until some of those injuries happened. You know, obviously, once Martinez goes out, they're, they're kind of in a bad spot. Um, and, you know, it kind of opened the door for TCU to take control of that game. But at the same time, was also really impressed with TCU. I mean, that's back-to-back weeks where they've kind of been in a big hole and found their way out of it. So, um, I don't know. What's your what's your takeaway from that one? Yeah, I think every time I watch TCU, I'm just a little more impressed. Like, I think yeah. I've been suspending disbelief, but they just keep doing it. Unfortunate luck with the injuries with K-State. I think we probably mentioned this in the offseason. Like, without Martinez, like, I'm not sure what this offense is going to do. Like, they have that one-two punch, but otherwise, what are they? Um, so, but yeah, I mean, TCU, there is that crazy thing where they've won five consecutive games where the starting quarterback did not finish the game. Um that is not saying that TCU was dirty or anything. That's just what has happened. And it's just saying that they're lucky. It's just saying that they're seven and zero. <laughs> and <laughs> like at some point, you have to respect them. Like they can't get lucky forever like that. Um, and they're they're going to lose in Morgantown this week. It's crazy. Can't wait. Can't wait for that. We're going to beat them and then lose out and go four and eight. And it's going to be the most on brand <laughs> West Virginia bullshit of all time. Um, all right. So that was the last one. Uh, that was the last one of last week, right? Any any last thoughts yep. on last weekend? This conference is still awesome. I, I it's good. Brutal, you can watch man. any game any week, and they're all fun. Yep, agreed. So let's do this week, shall we? Um, so kicking it off, got Oklahoma State at Kansas State. Uh, do we know Martinez's status? Is he going to play? I I haven't seen anything. We're recording Sunday night. I haven't seen anything yet. Okay. Because, like, he was walking around on the sideline and didn't look to be in that horrible. You know, he it, it wasn't like he was a mess in street clothes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think I like Oklahoma State in this one. Um, you know, I think, I think they got their uh, 
their bad one out of their system maybe two weeks ago. Um, so maybe now locking it down a little bit, especially if Martinez is out though. I like Oklahoma state. So what do you think? Same. I like Oklahoma state. Like I said, I feel like Gundy teams into November just keep kind of getting better and better. And, um, I do think, like I said, I I feel like I remember us highlighting K state's depth was an issue and that, you know, maybe later in the season, they might have some issues. So, um, some injuries piling up there and yeah, I, I would go. Okay. State. All right, we like OK State. We didn't see a line on that game for for some reason. We checked right before. Fandle didn't didn't have a lineup, so not sure what to do there. But we do know the other twelve o'clock kick. Uh, Oklahoma traveling to Iowa State to Ames. Only one and a half point favorites um, are the Oklahoma Sooners. What is your uh, what's your uh, read on that game? Just yeah, just quick uh, a bit. Just refreshed. We have a one point. OK State one point favorite in that game. So, I mean, more or less yeah. a push in that one. Um, but yeah, OU, Iowa State, I think this one will be interesting in the sense that Texas absolutely shut down Oklahoma. You know, they did not score in that game. And Iowa State, you know, they had a great game with Texas. Just be, their defense kept them in that. I'm interested to see where that kind of, you know, water level sits with the OU offense and that Iowa State defense. I think Iowa State really can actually be frisky in this game. I I don't have much faith in the Iowa State offense, but uh, I think this Iowa State defense is actually kind of legit. So um, this this one might be a fun one. Yeah, the transitive property of matchups across games. Um, always a, always an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, I think generally I agree. I think the Iowa State D keeps it close, but Oklahoma has too many weapons, I think. You know, I don't know if I don't know if Iowa State will be able to score enough to keep up. So yeah. Like Oklahoma in that one. Um, and then we have the seven thirty kick, Baylor at Texas Tech. So our last two opponents are clashing. And uh, Texas Tech, two and a half point favorites in that game. Actually, I'm not uh, not at all surprised by that number either. What's your uh, what's your take on this game? Yeah, at Tech is this? Did you say this was a night game? I think it's seven thirty. Yeah, seven thirty in Lubbock. You know, new coach or four and three. This is a big one, I think, for Baylor. Um, they're kind of you know sliding per se. Their last game was against us. That loss is not looking great right now for them. Um, Tech knows what they want to do. Baylor seemed kind of undisciplined a little bit and, you know, a little, um, I don't know, just they don't have that spark that they kind of had last year. I think Tech is fair to be favorites, home night game. Um, But this also one, like, I don't know, you could also see Baylor getting their swagger back and and winning by two scores. Um, So that's just how this conference is. It's just hard to predict. Yeah, I I have, um, I mean, my feel, based on the last two games right it'd be really hard to not think texas tech is the better team um not that we put our best foot forward against Bay- or against texas tech but yeah i don't know i i think i think it's going to be an interesting one it's a fun clash of styles you know you have tech doing doing what they do baylor kind of doing what they do a little bit more outside zone play action kind of kind of uh, identity offensively so it should be a good clash of styles i don't know it'll be a fun one to watch i think either way yeah all right anything else on the pre-cap that's all I got. That's all we got. Okay. Well, I guess we might as well get into this, uh, you know, uh, looming bloodbath buzz. Oh, I don't know. All the all the bad words of things on the horizon here. Um, so TCU coming to town. Top 10 TCU, 7-0. 12 p.m. kick. We got the 12. We got six-day uh, six windowed. Ended up getting the 12 o'clock slot. 
Mountaineers opening as seven and a half point underdogs at home. I'm not going to lie. I expected this to almost be twice as high. I was expecting like 13 and a half, 12 and a half, you know, something like something like that. Almost two touchdowns. I don't know. What are you? What's your initial thought on the line there? I was thinking 10 or 11. When I saw yeah. seven, I think on Circa, I was like, really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, have, have you guys been really? watching? Seriously. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's home game. It is homecoming, which is like, you know, a little bit of a maybe a crowd boost or whatever. But, you know, you're getting a noon game after a just down horrendous loss. Um, so I have no idea what the, the fan turnout can be predicted as. Um, that's that's a tough one to call because homecoming, like I said, that's like a, a nice boost. But morale is low. I can <laughs> but tell you, you have a top seven team. So, you know. It'll be it'll be that same forty to forty five that are the, the the sick MFers who you know are sitting through oh the Oklahoma State game in the rain like a couple years back when we we're just getting slaughtered. Um, I'll proudly be there, um, and I look forward to all the space that I have to explore in the stands. I'm a big time <laughs> stand up guy. I like to have a little bit of room to pace. You know, I get a little yeah. bit amped up. Uh, so it's going to be nice having some bleacher space on either side of me to to go back and forth a little bit if I need to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So TCU, I mean, shoot, we've been gassing them up enough already. You know, they're they're really good on offense. They're really improved on defense. I would say Neil's three and zero against them, but I don't know. It's going to take a whole lot of stuff going right, I think, to uh, to get that to four and zero. I don't know. Do we want to? Uh, what else? Any any other kind of scene setting context type stuff you want to hit on before we get into to the offense defense stuff? I imagine this is the only team that Neil Brown has a winning. Well, I guess he's two and zero against VT, um, but yeah, I'd say this is the only team in conference he is undefeated against. Um, I think it has to be. Yeah, this TCU team. I, I mean, I think just from a broad perspective, is they've been surprising. You know, new coach, reset of an era, whatever, coming off Gary P. But um, man, this defense, especially the the run defense might be like the single biggest turnaround in the conference of any unit or any, you know, kind of subunit. Um, just unbelievable. They were horrendous last year. And I'm sure if you remember our game, like we just ran it. That's all you had to do. Just keep like running the ball. Thousand and just, times, yeah. Things work out, but they've really turned it around. Um, yeah. And like, they're to the point where they can almost start looking down the path and be like, hey, like we get out of here with just one or maybe two losses and, and we can get to Arlington, which is crazy. Um, so... Yeah, this is the most on-brand win that we're going to have is just, you know, we're bouncing back between absolutely embarrassing losses and then um, a game like this, you know, coming to Morgantown, how long can they, I don't want to say how many times can they get lucky, but like, you know, they've just been, they've been pulling them off every week and probably haven't been favored in a lot of them. So um, yeah, it's, uh, this is definitely a game that, I don't know, maybe Neil Brown and the team, you can... You can you can get some kind of rally around the flag, and you're playing for the coach's job. And you know if he still has a job by the time this podcast comes out. Um. <laughs> Do you think that uh, because we've been so good with our backs up against the wall, that maybe Neil throws every other game just to create that that kind of pressure? It's like how you know, like a pr- procrastinator. Uh, yeah. Waits till the night before to write their paper. Like, do you think Neil Neil just thrives under that kind of pressure of like, shit, it's my job if I lose this one, you know? Like, like he really cracks down and studies that one week. But then yeah. after the Baylor win, we just kind of partied and went watched a movie. Yeah, and- just just having barbecues. Yeah, hasn't hasn't put the tape on yet. You know, got some vlogs for the the media <laughs> team. Like nothing crazy. And then we lo- and then it's like, okay, guys, we got we got to buckle down again. We need another win, or this this whole thing stops. Can't do any more Chick-fil-A commercials if we lose this week, boys. 
I love the I love the uh, the amount of run we've gotten out of the the Chick Fil A commercial where he's in the car and it's like, "Get in, loser!" We're get just in. in the car. Get in, loser! Hey, and after we beat TCU, I'm gonna be riding shotgun with that son of a gun. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, oh my gosh. Um, so here's here's the thing. I know we we didn't kind of talk about it, or we were we were kind of texting about it yesterday. Like, is this rock bottom? And I don't think yesterday was rock bottom. Rock bottom for me is. TCU pulling our pants down again this week, I think, at home on homecoming in front of the home crowd. Because that's when the Boo Birds are going to come out. The nice thing about yeah. the Texas Tech game is that it was on the road and everybody could turn their TV off and, and ignore it. Like, if we get the sh- shit kicked out of us again this weekend, by, which is on the table, by the way, because yep. this is not a great matchup for us. Um, no. um, that's when... You know, you you maybe that's more of a, a rock bottom kind of feel. But anyways, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this. Uh, this offense here, very good offense. Do we, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> They're good. They're they good. good. They're explosive, and it's a shit matchup. Okay, let's do defense. Um, no, nah, yeah, let's. <laughs> all right, so Max Duggan still there, quarterback. Tales of his demise uh, at the hands of Chandler Morris this offseason greatly, greatly exaggerated because this guy is kind of becoming quote unquote, who he was born to be, I guess. You know, you've kind of seen the tidbits um, with Duggan over the last, what is this his third year as a starter or fourth year? I can't even, feels like, feels like fourth. It might just be third though. Yeah, he's, I'll, I'll check real quick, but yeah, okay. it feels like he's been there for a hot minute. Been there forever. And he's shown flashes. Like he's always, he's always run really hot and cold. And, uh, you know, just this reason or this season, it seems like he's he's just running hot a whole heck of a lot more than he's running cold. So coming in they're they're definitely a run oriented team. I think they run the ball 56 percent of the time um, and they use that to set up a lot of the play action stuff. And then also because Duggan's, uh, you know, Duggan's just a, a 10 out of 10 athlete as far as quarterbacks go. Um, you know, they they get that zone. They get that zone read. They get just straight quarterback power stuff with him. Um and so I don't know. I mean, you know, just Sonny Dykes is coming and, and it's all the same players. It's all the same players as last year. And he's just sprinkled whatever magic dust on it and, and has them just ripping right now. And I think TCU is, if you're making a change at WVU, you can sell yourself on the infrastructure. Like we said, the infrastructure is good. The program's good. And maybe you just need a different guy to come in and be the one who wins the wins the games with the team, right? Like, I feel like that's kind of what it's been with Sonny Dykes where – it is literally all the same players as yeah. last year. And what they go four and eight last year or five and seven Maybe or five. Yeah. I mean, no more than, they yeah, I mean, they, they weren't, cool. they weren't good last year and it's all the same players and they're seven and oh. Um, yeah. Max Duggan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this, this guy. Yeah. So it is his fourth full season at TCU um, and he's had quite the, the trend. So trust the Max Duggan climb um, <laughs> completion percentage up every year pretty like consistent um so that continues to rise yards per attempt up every year he's up to 9.7 this year he only has one interception 19 touchdowns um he does have seven turnover worthy plays but um oh well he's uh been getting lucky i guess what i really found interesting when you look at his um when you look at some of his numbers is like i said yards per attempt have gone up his completion percentage has gone up this year his average depth of target is is much reduced to the last three years. So he was 10.8, 10.3, 11.9. This year, just 8.5. Um, clearly, it's working there. You know, I think he has just gotten better and better every year. And like you said, he's a, he's a really good athlete. Uh, code word, deceptively quick. 
Um, it's and, not deceptive. That, what did you see that? Uh, what was it like a 70 yard touchdown against, um, was it Oklahoma state maybe earlier this year or God, what team was it? Eh, anyways, um, took one to the house. Yeah, no, great athlete, great athlete. Um, and yeah, no, I, so the, the point you made about the dot man, it's that, I, I think that's been the biggest change in the offense, right? Is, is they're, they're running screens on th- like 27% of their dropbacks this year. Where, you know, instead of like waiting for these receivers to get open, they're just getting them the ball in space. And this is this is what has me shaking in my, in my little booties uh, this weekend is that I just watched Texas Tech annihilate us with screens. And now you have the best screen team in the conference who runs them literally, you know, one out of every four pass plays is going to be a screen. They have, um, what is it, these wide receivers, they're all super explosive, but tons of yards after the catch, right? So you have Quentin Johnson, eight yards after the catch on average. That's ninth in the Big 12. Darius Davis, 12.7 yards after the catch. That's second in the Big 12. Tay Barber, 8.4 yards after the catch. is fifth in the Big 12. Um, Johnson leads the Big 12 in missed tackles forced on uh, receptions. So, like, they just get these dudes the ball, and they're, like, they're better athletes than you. Um, yep. And so that's the way that we're going to win, and it's working really well. I mean – you know, these dudes, they're all awesome. They they get them the ball in space and they make plays. It's not, like you said, football can be pretty simple sometimes. And I think that's that's one of the ways where TCU has made it simple this year. Yeah, and when you can't find space, you just throw it up top to Quentin Johnson. Six foot yeah. four. Um, he just is, you know, sucks the ball in crazy. Like he's a he's going up making some, some highlight real catches this year. Um, so I, I don't know what matchup that is. I don't know what the deal with Charles Woods was throughout the game. I know he played a little bit, then didn't he, play. He got re-hurt, I think, or like a different injury or something. I don't know. Yeah, so he I haven't heard something after the game, but I haven't heard the update on him. But yeah, Quentin Johnson, and I think maybe alluded to this a week or two ago. But there's some receivers that are coming down the schedule that are not fun, and Quentin Johnson is is like one A of those um, that I'm not excited to see. Uh, streaking down the field on us because this is yeah this is just a bad matchup this guy's uh, super talented already been targeted 60 times this year um three touchdowns he's you know he's all over the place and, and very athletic guy um but also you know like you said they run a lot of screens the running backs um they have a lot of talent a lot of athleticism you think that you're losing a lot um this year now i'm blanking on the the name of the running back that they zach, lost. zach evans yeah Zach Evans, you think that you're, you know, kind of blowing that room up. Uh, Kendra Miller and uh, Di Mercado have just been pretty phenomenal, honestly, uh, both averaging over six a carry. So uh, get them in space as well, and, and good things are happening. I mean, this offense, just they're super well-balanced. That's the one thing that stands out to me. They're top 25 in beta rank, effective rush and pass. Only team in the conference that can say that. So they can, they can just do it a lot of ways. Um, our defense can't stop a lot of ways, so that's just a bad matchup to begin. But, um, yeah, they, they just got dudes um, and lots of talent all over the field. And if all those dudes you mentioned aren't enough, tight end Jared Wiley is the top-graded receiver among tight ends in, in the Big 12. Only 14 targets, but he's caught 12 of them, and four of them have been touchdowns. So if you're, uh, if you're looking for your anytime TD score uh, in your same-game parlay this weekend – Keep your eye on Jared Wiley because uh, if, if there's a touchdown to be found against the tight end, we're, we're the ones who are going to give it up. So um, up front, think pretty good, right? Above average uh, for sure, just in terms of the offensive line. I think, you know, the tackle pairing is 
uh, about average probably, but the interior trio seems like they're really good. And I know those are some of the guys we kind of highlighted in the off season. Um, Steve Avila, uh, was was the big guy last year. I think he played center last year. He moved over to guard because they got a transfer from SMU named Alan Ali, who's playing really well as well. Um, but those two and then the other guard have kind of been the strength of their offensive line. Um, just, you know, creating those creases. Like you said, Miller and DiMarcado are just so good. They get through there so quick. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it just goes from strength to strength right out here. Um you know, I would kind of liken it to it's kind of like what we would like to be offensively. Um, I feel like it's the same kind of deal, same kind of balance, except that their playmakers are just turned up a little bit higher than ours. You know, we don't have dudes like Tay Barber or Darius Davis who are going to take a screen and, and, you know, house it on you or, and, you know, Caden Prather is like, we hope that he can be Quentin Johnston, um, but he's not quite there yet. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then you have the, the added threat of, you know, the QB legs. I don't, it's, it's a nightmare and they do all kinds of things that we've had trouble with. So I don't know. Going to take a, going to take a superhuman effort to slow these guys down this weekend. Yeah. And, and like you said, a lot of these guys are just from last year. It's what a, what a difference a year can make, you know, coach, coaching change, maybe a little philosophy change. Um, and wow. I mean, these guys are, you know, maybe the best offense in the conference. Um, I mean, we kind of knew that coming into the season that this was going to be a potent offense, but um you know, the defense has really held their own and let this like they've been good enough that this team was able to ascend. And, you know, they're winning all these games. They haven't lost yet. Um, this was a note I kind of had for earlier, but just mention it now. So just looking at our defense as a comparison for um, when they're this offense is on the field. So of our top 11 snaps uh, count guys, so the top guy, 11 guys who've gotten um, the most snaps this year, we only have two guys who have PFF grades over a 64 um, that is not good. Those two guys are Dante Stills, 77.7. And I think has not gotten the love he probably deserves, Aubrey Burks. Guys play great this year. 83.2. And a secondary that all we do and most people do is complain about. Aubrey Burks has actually been really solid. Um, so shout out to him. He's been doing doing well this Should've year. Should have had another pick on Saturday, but we won't hold yeah. that against him because he's literally the only person making any kind of plays, so. It's true. Um, and then also just, just in terms, if you want to look across the entire defense, I said only people who've had at least 30 snaps. Hershey McLaurin is the only other person who is over a grade of 70. Um, so, yeah, this offense is good, and our defense has just absolute loads of questions. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You, I, I like your key. I'll let you say it here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you can go ahead with the, the key to the game. Uh, so I basically said, uh, I can tell you that sitting back and hoping for the best isn't going to work. So I don't know, maybe just hold on for dear life and pray that Max Duggan has one of those, one of those games. And that's kind of what I alluded to earlier with Duggan is that, um, he's run hot and cold. You know, he's had some games where he's thrown what four, you know, three, four interceptions accounted for five turnovers on his own. Um, this year he just hasn't done that yet. So you might say that he's due. And what better time than a little homecoming jaunt to Morgantown uh, to start throwing a couple bad picks and, and putting the putting the ball on the turf. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think, <laughs> I think that in light of uh, how bad we looked this week on top of how bad we've looked all season combined with what these guys are good at, I'm just going to accept if we can get aligned properly, honestly. Like, if it's third and three – 
I would be happy if we have cornerbacks three yards off the ball. If it's, um, you know, second and four, I'd be happy if we have more than five guys in the box. So, you know, I'm, it's the little stuff this weekend that I'm looking for because, you know, that's, that's, that's where this defense is, unfortunately, is um, the absolute basics. I want to see communication. I want to see, okay, TCU's getting ready to snap the ball, and actually they're not even going that fast. There's like seven seconds on the play clock, and we still don't know what the fuck we're doing on defense. You know, I don't – like, it doesn't feel like that's too much to ask. That doesn't feel like too high of a bar. So that's how I'd define the success this weekend. Everybody knows what they're doing, and everybody's lined up when the ball snapped. I, you know, I kind of just tend to agree. I think that'd be big progress. I thought partially through the season, our our strength on this defense was the run defense. Um, I'm not so sure, but, you know, like I said, part of it, it was just alignment and like being prepared for the next snap. Like Texas Tech gashed us so many times right up the middle just because we had four dudes in the box or because some dudes were looking over to get the play in. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, High school it's, shit, man. it's so stupid to say, but it's like, can we just get aligned and then we'll see what happens. Get aligned. And, you know, the only other thing I would say is just effort. Um, I, I think there were a couple plays of low effort early second half that, you know. Letting ourselves get blocked. I, I saw some of that stuff, too, where it's like, dude, you're not even like you're just happy. You're just happy to have have kind of found the right gap on that play. You're not even trying to make the tackle. Yeah. So we know what our defense is and we know what their offense is. I mean, this is just what it is. We're a pretty low, low rated defense. This team is high flying. Um, this would be. The perfect time to to go prove yourself. You hold these guys to, you know, the 30s. I think that's a win. Maybe high 20s, mid 30s, something like that. They're going to score points. So it's just, you know, can you buckle down in the red zone? Like, can you not get, get gashed just wanna, long? So just l- l- let's remember this. Time stamp at 52 minutes. These guys, 27%. It's the highest percentage in, the, in, in Power 5. 27% of their dropbacks are screen passes. Yeah. 32% of their passes are behind the line of scrimmage. Do not play 10 yards off of these guys because they're just going to throw it out there. And then we had, and then it's a punt return with like fucking Darius Davis. He's like the best punt returner in the, in the, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, this is what they're going to do. Just look like, I, I just want us to look like we've watched tape. That's all. That's all. It's like, if they have three dudes out there, put three dudes out there. Yeah, I think it's so simple in a way, but also like, wow, I just wonder what, you know, things could have been different. You just do those things. So, um, all right, we talked enough about their offense. Let's talk about when we have the ball. What do we think about their defense? I mentioned the, you know, I think just the big thing that this defense is just they're they're good enough this year to give this team a chance. And, you know, they've had more than a chance so far this year. you know, the, the, the past defense last year was horrendous. They, the, now this defense in most metrics is ranking just around the middle of the conference. And when you have like a pretty elite other unit, um, just being average good enough on one side of the ball and elite on the other is generally a pretty good recipe in college football. So I think that's the, the big thing that stood out to me. Um, what are your kind of takeaways on this defense? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we were kind of crossing our fingers for this year, right? Is, oh, the offense is going to be better. Can the defense be decent? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, another case of, of uh, look, this is like a lot of the same guys as last year and just, you know, what a tweak in philosophy and maybe who knows what else. And it's gotten them from being one of the worst units in P5 to 
like you said, you know, getting getting one stop, getting two stops on either side of halftime is all that you need when your offense puts up 40 points. Um, I know in the offseason we were kind of concerned. So the big the big change for them this year is is going to an odd front. So doing a three three five as opposed to the the four two five that Gary Patterson uh, pretty much made famous, actually. Um, but, you know, how are you going to deal with that personnel wise? Because obviously you, it's different people, different types of bodies that are required to succeed on an odd front as opposed to an even front. And I think I think that's been the biggest thing for them is is that that change has really when you don't have a ton of playmakers up front, even front dudes, it's more of a eat blockers, let everybody else make plays. And I feel like that's been successful for them. Um, you know, the, 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 the one area of weakness that we were really concerned about was the nose tackle. Obviously that's a huge position of importance in a three man front. Um, the dude who played last year has, has played like 40 snaps this year. And the freshman who we mentioned in the off season, Dominic Williams, um, has been outstanding. I think he's grading out somewhere in the seventies as a true freshman. Dude's probably going to be a freshman all American. Um, not a ton of pressure, not a ton of productivity, but just absolutely stonewalling people in the middle of their defense there. Um, I know you mentioned they have the one, the one edge guy, uh, who actually is a little bit of a playmaker. What was his name? Dylan Horton has Mm -hmm. 23 pressures. Um, but all in all, it's a, it's a workman like front. Um, and really what they're trying to do is engage blockers so that the rest of the, you know, the back eight can run around and make plays. Um, what do you, uh, yeah, what's your, like, what's, what are your kind of some of your points on the defense? Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you know, teed it up there. Dylan Horton, you know, he, they line him up all over, um, not just interior. They put him on the edge. They kind of put him all over the place. He's got a lot of pressures. Somehow only end up with one sack so far this year, but it seems like he's in the backfield a lot. But the one thing that stood out to me, at least on kind of the pass rush front is that they get so many pressures from the linebacker position. Um, so three of their top five pressure guys are linebackers. Um, so, you know, what you kind of hope Kobo would be doing is, is sort of what they're setting up. D winters, um, he's got six sacks from the linebacker position. Um, so he is the, the one who's getting in there the most, but, um, I don't know. I, I feel like that's, that's kind of an odd thing to see that the majority of your, your pressures are coming from, you know, sort of that middle of the lineup. So, um, yeah, yeah. it kind of reminded me of some of those old Jeff Castile, uh, Jeff Castile days, right? When we kind of, when we were just like true base three, three, five and the way that we would get pressure, we wouldn't get pressure up front. We get pressure by sending dudes like Eric Wicks, Lorello off the edge, sending dudes up the middle, Boo McClee, you know, and, and that's kind of the, the vibes I've gotten from, from uh, kind of watching this or watching this defense, kind of looking at the stats a little bit is, is it's, you know, that's, it's kind of the way a three, three, five should be played. Um, and yeah, to your point, I kind of put this in all caps in our notes. Like, should we be taking notes from these guys? Because again, this is all of the same players who sucked last year. It's Jamoy Hodge, it's Hodges, it's D Winners. And those guys were among the worst graded linebackers in the conference last year, especially in coverage. Uh, guess what? They're bad in coverage again this year if you look at the grades. Guess what? TCU is not asking those guys to do, right? We're not asking them to cover. And so, like, it's it's frustrating as somebody who's kind of been pleading for this for, like, the last three weeks of, like, we suck. Why are we trying to cover? We, we suck at coverage. Go yeah. get these guys. Um, but anyways, you know, I think, I mean, winners is good. None of these guys are really grading out well. But I think the, the, the thing is is that they're – it's a little bit of a risk-reward type deal, right, where, you know, they're going to be out of position sometimes. They're going to blitz the wrong gap sometimes, and TCU might get hit. But if they blitz the right gap, 
it's a tackle for loss, you know, and I think that's kind of how TCU has been making their hay, getting people behind the sticks. And then the secondary, I think the secondary has been outstanding. So they get these people behind the sticks, send more pressure, and they have these dudes on the outside and on the back end who have been who have been really, really good. Yeah, I think the the secondary has been pretty solid. Um, pretty much everyone who's listed as a cornerback has, has a pretty solid PFF grade. I mean, Travis Hodges Tomlinson was the, I'm pretty sure he was all Big 12 preseason. Mm-hmm. He's kind of their top dog. One of the, the things that stood out for me um, about him, only 43, 43.6% of his targets, targets that are coming his way are caught. Um, which is is pretty good. I mean, for you're not even catching, you're catching less than half the balls thrown your way. Um, I went and looked at a comparison for West Virginia. You don't even want to hear the numbers because nobody's really even close who's received considerable targets. Um, so yeah, they've been good on the back end. I mean, like I said, just the absolute flip flop of the rush defense. Um, you know, they're I think they are their top twenty in effective rush, fifty um, fourth in effective pass. So. A little softer against the pass, but like I said, this unit is just good enough to give this offense a chance. Um, they're they're getting enough stops in a game, and you know they have not lost yet. It's, it's <laughs> crazy to say, but you know I did mention the the quarterback injury stuff. Like they have had some wild luck with quarterbacks, so I don't know how much you want to bake that into the numbers or to your interpretation of the numbers. Um, but all that to say is they're getting the job done. This defense is is you know they're doing probably more than they were they were thinking they were going to get out of him at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think you bake it a little bit, but um but yeah, it's not a not not a big enough deal to take anything away from the growth that that they've shown. Um wanted to mention uh so you 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 mentioned Hodges Tomlinson, um Abraham Camara, another starting cornerback. He's the only starting cornerback of the of the big 3 that's allowing over 50% and he's at like 52.4. And then the real dagger to the heart um, so folks who, who follow our recruiting closely, uh, will remember that it was Josh Newton and, uh, Jalen Shelton pair of cornerbacks who were kind of, both of them were down to us and TCU and both of them committed within a week of each other. And Newton ended up cho- choosing uh, TCU. Shelton chose us. Josh Newton is, he made PFFs all defensive team of the week last week nationally. Um, he made the game defend the game winning pass breakup against Kansas uh, like three weeks ago, um, allowing completions on like forty eight percent of the thirty plus target times that he's been targeted. So you know the guy that TCU got has been playing. He's 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 their starter and has been playing at a high level. I don't even think Jalen Shelton has traveled with the team yet. You know, so it's just like you know. Who knows what happened with with one choosing one way or one choosing the other? I don't know. I can't remember if if Newton chose uh, TCU and that kind of pushed Shelton to us, or if it was the other way around, or if it was our staff. If it was our staff preferring Shelton over Newton, though, it's just another where it's like, dude, what the hell were you guys looking at? Because this guy's been playing well. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's like you said. We don't need to get too much further into it. They, you know, it's a defense that before last Saturday, I would have not been all that scared of would have thought we would be able to move the ball and score points on these guys, you know, enough at least to, to keep it competitive. But after last Saturday, I think all bets are off. Um, and you know, they're, they're not overly good, but they do enough things well that, you know, they get the, they get the ball back for their offense. So I don't know anything else to add on the defense there. Yeah. I mean, I think just keys for us, um, you know, you kind of similar to what you're going to say as well, but just, you know, I think, Running the ball has been 
been pretty important to us in a lot of big games. I think this week was probably the worst that we ran the ball all season. Um, just kind of feel like, but also we got down early um, and, and never really gave it a chance. Um, I don't know. I just feel like we're really predictable in offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's just like run, screen, and then you know, Third some game. kind of what is yeah. It's just I, I don't know. I just feel like the screens and the runs are. Are, are too predictable you get to second and 10 and you know you're getting either a run or a screen like 100 percent without a doubt um so i don't know i i don't know what this actually is i'm just looking for a little creativity a little spark i don't know what it is i, I think we're hurting a little bit more than you might think without a waffling um mm-hmm. i, I don't mm-hmm. want to body slam anybody by name but tight end position was not was not there this week so um i don't know what the wrinkle needs to be but I think just don't be predictable. I think we just, you and me are watching the games and I can tell you like what we're trying to do and it's not being successful and we just continue to pound it. So mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, just, you got to have a wrinkle and you got to, you got to have some sustainable drives. Um, I mean, obviously Texas Tech ran a million plays on us, but you got to have some long drives. Yeah. And we'd been really good at that going into the game, right? I mean, that was kind of the thing we're talking about. We, we gained, I think I saw a stat that we had gained over 50 yards on 51% of our drives coming into the Texas Tech game, which was the best number in the country. Um, you know, we're top 10, top 10 nationally in avoiding plays and staying on schedule. Um, yeah, I think, man, I would fire the wide receiver screen into the sun. I think we've hit, you know, you forget all the ones that work decently, you know, and I feel like we do have a ton that have worked in, you know, seven, eight, nine yards. Um I think, I mean, Ford Wheaton took one to the house against Kansas, but man, it's, there's some sort of a tell because there was a, there was a screen against Texas tech where it was to Smith and the guy was like tackling him off the line before he even started the tunnel action. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. so something we're doing, people know, know that it's coming. Um, And so I would, I would really think about putting that one in the back pocket maybe for a week, but I think you have to lean into the, you have to lean into the run game every Every time that we've been good this year, it's because we were able to run the ball, get some get some heavier boxes that open stuff up downfield. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've generally been pretty bad against man coverage, and I think TCU unfortunately runs the highest percentage of man coverage, and you know it's a ton of man to man on the outside. Um, definitely the highest percentage in the conference. Those guys have all been, as we said, Hodges, Tomlinson, Newton, Camara, uh, Camara have all been really good on the outside in man coverage. So I don't know if those generic sideline shots that we that we like to take that we've kind of taken we you know we took a handful of them against tech we take a handful every week where you know two-step drop throw a 30-yard ball down the sideline i don't know if that's that's really the recipe this week um i think everything we have to do starts with the run game i mean it's an attitude thing uh you know i feel like when we are able to assert ourselves in the running game it's it's a cascading effect across the rest of the offense and the rest of the team where it's like, all right, these guys are kind of winning their physical battle. Let's go, let's go at least, you know, make it hard on people. Um, and like you said, we never even really got started. Same, same deal as Texas where we, you know, got, got a little cute maybe early and got ourselves in a hole. And then by that time, you know, when you're down 17, when you're down 21, when you're down 28, it's a lot harder to talk yourselves into it's okay to grind out a 12 play, a 12 play, six minute drive, you know? So, um, I think we need to come out, start with the running game, um, and uh, and go from there. I think I mean sh- it should be a team you can run on, right? I mean their running defense isn't 
it's good, but it's not like it's no better than Baylor's was. Yeah, I'm a little worried. Like I said, I think O'Loughlin and I, I'm interested to see the health of our offensive line um, because I do feel like there's, there is a sharp drop off after about four or five on that depth chart. So um, I think some of that's going to hinge on that. But hey, this is a game once again backs firmly against the wall. Um, you know, we do it. And especially don't want to come out and lay another egg. I mean, that's just going to absolutely lose everybody on uh, on this year's campaign. So, hey, whatever. It's a home game. It's homecoming. I'm sure vibes will be good. It's uh, it's Mountaineer football. You only get 12 of these a year guaranteed. So, um, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the, the real fans are still going to be watching and still going to be rooting. And, uh, hey, this would be a massive win. This would be... Uh, I couldn't tell you the last time we beat a top 10 team. So um, anything can happen in Morgantown. Uh, you got anything else you want to add to the? No, I mean, you know, this gonna, a ton of stuff's going to have to go right, but I'm going to be there uh, trying to make sure that it does. So um, would not be, would not be shocked if, well, I'd probably be shocked if we won, but it's, it's <laughs> not, a, it's not an unwinnable, you know, there are no, I really stand by, there are no, unbeatable teams in this conference and yeah i think i mean we could beat them probably won't, but we could that'd be quite the the national stage win i mean there's like maybe six or eight undefeated teams left this team's first place in the conference this would be a big one so um yeah i think that that probably wraps it up for the show so we are on smokingmusket.com um some good articles up right now um and you can join the conversation on smoking musket uh we got a twitter account for this podcast it's at west by pod with underscores i'm joel bracken at wv stats guy he's jordan pinto at game day shorts hope you have a good week and we'll catch you next time let's go This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.